to hope they can't be seen in the dusk, camouflaged behind overgrown plants and creepers. The last to find a hiding place is the red squirrel, running round and round in a panic, until, at the final moment, he shoots under a withered rosebush. The twigs and leaves are swept up into the air, swirling around us, clouds of grit choking my throat and making it hard to breathe. Cold spotlights beam down, blinding us. The rush of air forces us back. It flattens a circle in the grass, and Dad is ducking, pulling Polly and me out of the way. The helicopter sways lower and lower, and I can just hear the wolf cub growling at the back of his throat, and we can no longer smell the garden or the river, only oily fuel. The hot rotors making my eyes water as they grind past each other. The rivets in each panel look close enough to touch now. I am a wildness, a leader of animals. I wait, facing up to the light, and the roar, and the wind. The helicopter lands. Slowly the spinning blades judder to a halt. Polly clutches my hand. For a moment, the helicopter is silent, and then... A door is dragged open on rails. Folding steps tumble down onto the grass. In the dusk behind us, Polly's toad gives a little croak. We peer into the shadows of the cabin, shrinking back as men thunder down the steps and into our garden. Colours. Clanking in helmets, padded uniforms and boots. Without a word, they raise their long dark guns and point them at Dad, at Polly, and at me. Nervously glancing at each other, we raise our arms in the air. Then, in the darkness of the night, comes another man, a small man in a grey suit, skipping down from the helicopter light and fast, a man whose picture I have seen once before, in the doctor's room at Spectrum Hall. The man looks down at his feet and rubs his hands together for a moment. He adjusts his cuffs and smooths his fine hair down over his head. Then, his eyes hidden behind a pair of shiny glasses, he clears his throat and smiles. I'm sorry to drop in unannounced like this, Professor James, he says to Dad, who doesn't say anything. In fact... I think Dad is shaking. I've never seen Dad shake before, but his hands are definitely trembling. It only makes me want not to shake at all, which it turns out is much harder than it sounds. The man turns to me instead. He takes off his glasses and pulls out a handkerchief to rub away a grease spot. Do you know who I am? he asks. I nod. He smiles again and puts his glasses back on. Good. Do you know what I do? Where to begin? Spreading viruses that kill the world's animals so you can make us all eat your fake replacement food? Culling the creatures who survived? Lying to everyone that humans could get the virus when they couldn't? Locking my dad up just because he invented a cure? You may think differently, 
says Selwyn Stone, his voice all quiet and controlled, like a wire that could snap at any moment. Only it won't, because it's made of steel. But what I do is keep order. I make difficult, unpleasant decisions on behalf of all of us. I prevent starvation. I keep the money going round and round, and I protect every single one of us from a hostile planet. Mr. Stone clasps his hands in front of him, like a priest. The only thing I ask from you in return is a little bit of help. Then he steps forward, his polished shoes sinking into the grass. Polly and I shrink back. For example, he continues, I might ask you not to waste time designing a cure.